Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Uh, for those of you who've been around Dogwood a number of years, you probably know that uh, I think other than communicating the gospel and teaching on God's teaching on stewardship of life, time, talents, treasure, and all those things. I think the, the topic that I have dealt with most frequently uh, in the 26 years has been the one we're going to deal with today, and it's because we forget it so often. Uh, and it's the issue of Sabbath rest. So let's take a look. God, in His grace, has provided a way for order to be restored to our lives. And so here we go. We find it in God's words to us in the fourth commandment. And uh, let me read it for you. It's on the screen. This is God's word. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested. Underline that in your Bible. Circle that. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we find in these ten commandments, the words of God, through his selected leader, Moses, to the Israelites uh, as God's plan to begin to teach them how to transform their mindset from that of a slave and slave people, which is all they'd ever known, 400 years, to a free people who were becoming a nation and arrange their life around God's will and God's word and God's way so that they may flourish as he intended individuals and families and clans and nations to flourish. This is God's word. So in this passage, God teaches us the fourth commandment. uh, And again, what may be the, not the only one, but may be the most powerful habit and gift from God to enable us to get rid of the overload and live life the way God wanted it to be lived and become the people He wanted us to become and be near Him as He wanted us to be near Him. So, jot this down in your notes. First of all, Sabbath means, literally, to turn off, to stop, to cease. That's what it means. Now, in the time of the ancient Hebrews... Uh, it was taken very literally to be done on the seventh day. Now, our Lord Jesus, in His teaching on the Sabbath, where He expanded and clarified what the Bible means by Sabbath-keeping, declared all days holy, and not that only one could be observed as holy unto the Lord, but that all could be. God's point is that you pick a day. It's not just Sunday. Any day of the week. This is not my Sabbath day. And, uh, it, but for most of you, it would be the easiest day to practice Sabbath rest. And so let's go at it from that, that perspective. We tend to make two mistakes when, um, when we come to obeying the fourth commandment. One is legalism. 
which is we have we follow a strict set of rules on the Sabbath. Uh, most of those, what you can't do, what you don't do. That's not usually the way we violate this. We tend to have the other problem. We ignore Sabbath keeping altogether. And that causes a big problem. It results in overloaded lives, people who are disconnected with God and disconnected with the people that matter in their lives. So here's the big point. You can get things in order and life can get better if you will take a God-designed day off every seven days. Write that down. God-designed day off every seven days. Not just a day off but a God-designed day off. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I get all kinds of recreation and leisure. You know, soccer games, golf, tennis, Six Flags, Braves games. But Sabbath rest is different from leisure. In fact, leisure is the number one enemy of of Sabbath rest. I mean, we we declared a Pastor Keith play day on our staff Wednesday and loaded the whole crowd up, put a gone fishing sign on the office uh, door and went to the Braves game. Watched them beat the tar out of the twins. It's a lot of fun. But uh, we had fun. We had a great time together. Uh, when we got in the van and, and started home, we, by the time we got out of the grid of, of, of uh, trying to get on the freeway, happened to look back in the van, half the team's going. They did not look refreshed and relaxed and renewed. They had a lot of fun, had a lot of recreation, but they were tired. They were worn out after a day of that. Uh, Leisure is to Sabbath rest what, well, take a look, what cotton candy, you know what cotton candy is, to real food. Now, here's some real food right there. What do you have? That's right. Yeah. So we're talking about something different here. And so let's jump in. I'm just going to give you a quick acrostic to to help you with this. Rest, R-E-S-T. This will help you remember what do I, well, then what do I do? How do I arrange a day? What would I do on a day if, if it was my day of Sabbath rest? Well, let's think of this. R, first of all, is the big one. It's obvious. R stands for, guess what? Rest. Sure. Stands for rest. Uh, God modeled this for us at creation. In Exodus uh, twenty eleven. we see that he rested on the seventh day. Psalm 127 verse 2 says it this way, It's senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing you will starve to death, for God wants His loved ones to get their proper rest. Uh, Inc. Magazine has told us that 62% of Americans tell us they have either, either burned out or they are on their way. Yet Ecclesiastes 10.15 says it this way, Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. So we need to rest. Now, Jesus gave us the pattern. If you will read the Gospels and, and see how Jesus arranged his life to keep himself vitally in fellowship with God the Father, what he taught and what he did, but if you watch what he did, you will find there was this rhythm. He achieved and he rested. He engaged and he pulled back. He worked and then he rested. There was this pattern of achievement and productivity and rest, uh, a rhythm that he modeled for you and me. You know, resistance to physical rest is a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of uh, insecurity. It's certainly a sign of lack of wisdom. For let's, let's take the human realm for a moment. Who are the people that 
don't ever want to go to bed. It's the little ones. It's the babies that fight sleep. I can't imagine me ever fighting sleep at this point in my life. Can you, adults? No, no. But the immature do. And so when we resist rest, intellectual rest, emotional rest, uh, social rest, especially those of you that God wired to be introverts where you, you recharge with solitude, you need to rest from people. But physical rest, on your God-designed day off, take a nap. I mean, rest. Turn off. Take a nap. The second thing that you can do on this God-designed day off is what the letter E stands for. Embrace. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's embracing the things that matter in our relationship with God, in our relationship with people. Here's the first one. We embrace God in worship. Write down the word worship. We embrace God in worship on the Sabbath day. Uh, We do it publicly with our church family like you have gathered here. It's very important. This is not an option according to God. And uh, we do it privately. We do it privately in our our own time with God, in His Word, and in prayer, listening to Him. We worship Him. I mean, the psalmist said it this in Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And in Exodus chapter 31, verse 15, uh, the Bible says that this day is holy to the Lord. It's not just your day off. It's God's day with you and your day with God. It's holy. He, He owns it. He owns you. It's a time when you... You reaffirm that by, remember, worship is fundamentally submitting to God, ourselves to God. Uh, we, we do that on this day. And when we do this, when we embrace God in worship, by all the elements of praying to Him, singing the great songs of the faith to Him, uh, hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, applying, reflecting on God's Word, working it into our souls and our, our hearts, when we remember His body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed for us, when we celebrate new life in Christ with those who are being baptized to declare publicly their faith, going, having their press conference of new uh, believers, uh, when we give offerings to Him, resubmitting our bodies to Him as living sacrifices, He does several things in us and to us and for us. And here's what He does, just a few things from the Scriptures. He says, He forgives us. He washes us. He cleanses us. He strengthens us in our inner person by His Holy Spirit. He loves us. He upholds us with His righteous right hand. He lifts our countenance and our spirits. He heals us. He counsels us and directs us and guides us. He grows us up. He reveals Himself to us and draws near to us and His will for us. He conforms us to the image of His Son. He transforms us in value and character and and behavior. He creates in us clean hearts and renews right spirits in us and, and enables us to live blameless lives that will cause no one to stumble. He refreshes us, He renews us, and He revitalizes us. It's an amazing thing that happens to us on our Sabbath day of rest when we gather near God and embrace Him in worship. But that's not the only thing we embrace. We also embrace the values of the kingdom of God. The values of the kingdom of God. Uh, When we embrace God in worship, we tend to also embrace these values. We remember the beliefs and convictions that give our lives direction, that give our lives uh, meaning and purpose. Um, We embrace giving 
instead of receiving. We embrace serving each other in love instead of sinful self-interest. We embrace God's calling on our lives instead of going our own way. We embrace God's peace instead of our drivenness. We embrace losing our lives to find them in Christ. So we embrace God in worship. We embrace the values of the kingdom of God. And then, here's a good one. We embrace joy. We embrace the joy. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says it this way. God generously gives us everything for our enjoyment. Write in capital letters across your notes. Fun. Fun needs to be in, the, in your day of Sabbath rest. Include some fun. Enjoy great beauty. Enjoy great music. Enjoy great art. Enjoy uh, the physical activities that, that refresh and, and, uh, and renew you. And just give you a whole lot of fun to do. Uh, do those things. God gives us richly all those things to enjoy. Sabbath day is not a fast day. It is a feast day. Enjoy great food, enjoy great friends, great family members, brothers and sisters in Christ. Be sure to include in your Sabbath day of rest a whole lot of fun. Should be right there. And also, uh, as we embrace these things intentionally, God restores order to our lives. So R stands for rest, E stands for embrace. Here's what else you do to include in your Day of Sabbath rest, it's the letter S, and it stands for stop. We stop. Well, stop what, Pastor? Well, remember, Sabbath literally means to cease, to turn off, to unplug. Well, here's, the, here's some of the things we do. We stop, certainly we stop what God stopped Himself in Exodus 20, verse 10. He stopped working. On the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. You see that there? Now, I went back and studied the, the ancient Hebrew. Uh, and, and in the Hebrew uh, terminology from which this passage is translated, it literally means you must not do any work. Now, anywhere, that, that, means, that doesn't mean you just don't go to the, to the job. It means you... You fast from any productivity at home. Don't vacuum. Don't do the yard. Don't clean. You don't do work at the house. Pick another day to do that. Not you. I mean, God. How about this? God commands you to take one day where you don't do any housework. Don't pay the bills. No, you do nothing that is that you that is responsibility. You stop working. God commands it. You stop productivity, you stop worrying, and you stop trying to be God. When we stop, when we cease, we do this practically, we are, we are reminding ourselves that we are not God, and we are stopping our trying to control everything, and we, it reminds us that we are dependent upon God to be God and be at work and be providing for us and taking care of the world when we're not there. It's a great reminder. It's a great freedom. And we also stop conforming to our culture. Sabbath keeping is countercultural. We make heroes in our culture of people who do not practice this. We make heroes of driven people. It is countercultural, and it is one of the ways that we are no longer conformed to the pattern of this world. It's one of the ways we don't let the culture press us into its mold. We stop conforming to the culture. So, 
on your day, as you design it with God, God designed day off, R, we rest. E, we embrace God in worship and the, the values of the kingdom and a whole lot of fun. S, we stop work. And in T, we think. Write the word think in your notes. Thinking. Take some time to reflect. Now, God modeled for us in Genesis chapter 1, 31 through 3. Basically, he saw all that he had made, and he, it was very good. He'd finished all the work he'd been doing. So he rested, blessed it, made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. God modeled for us uh, this kind of reflection, this kind of thinking. He, He looked back on his work. He enjoyed its completed appearance. And then he reflected on its meaning. So... On your day off with God, maybe at the end of the day, here we go, in silence and in solitude. This has got to be just you and God or it won't work. Silence and solitude. Spend some time with Him thinking about three things. First of all, your past, your present, second, third, your future. By past, I mean this, the past week. What's happened in your life since your last day of Sabbath rest with God? You look back. On what you did. Uh, What did you give your life to? What happened to you? What did it mean? Where did you see God at work? How did that make you feel? What did you learn? Where did you fail? Where did you sin? Where did you crash? Where did you succeed? And then ask God to help you think through those things. And press meaning into your past seven days. And then thank the Lord for the whole week. Give thanks to Him. Uh, for the for the good things, for the bad things, ask Him in His power and grace to redeem it and to use it for His glory and your good rather than destruction and uh, for His glory and the good of people. Then spend a little bit of time thinking about your present. What is your current situation with Jesus? How are you in Jesus right now? And with the important people in your life. Remember two weeks ago, Mother's Day, we talked about love, and it spelled, it's a four-letter word spelled, what? T-I-M-E? Yeah. Well, how you doing with time with Jesus? Time with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your, your siblings, your, your good friends. What's the situation in your life? Think on those things. Listen to God. And then third, think about the future. Think about the next seven days. Get your calendar out. Put the big rocks in first, the things that matter, that God's told you that matter. Ask Him, get it all in view. Pray through each day of the week and just say, Lord, is this the way you want me to invest this week, this day, this Monday, this Tuesday, this Wednesday? If not, what would you have me change? Get it in view. Ask for His power. Ask for His guidance. Commit it to Him. Then you're ready to go into your your week. So, You can restore order to your overloaded life if you'll take a God-designed day off every seven days. This all begins by praying to Him, and we're going to do that now. Now, let me remind you what we're learning as a church. Two months ago, we began learning to pray together in a public worship service. For 26 years, we did this rarely, and we realized probably the most important thing we can do in a worship service is pray to God and pray for each other. And so 
We have a lot of guests here today. Here's what we're about to do. Our pastors and our elders, um, any of our um, prayer team members that I've asked to do this, any of any adult life group leaders who will, would you now take your places across the front, maybe down the side? Some of you stand up in the back, back there. Some, and uh, Eric, is that you I see up there? One of our elders in the balcony. Take time to pray. And um, if you need help with your overloaded life in any way, then come. Let us pray for you. Let someone pray for you. Okay, we're going to need some more people. Who's in here that's not chicken to pray with somebody? Come on, Jimmy. Who else? Yeah, hang on. Yeah. I need two more people. I need two ladies that are used to praying for people to come. Because ladies don't like to pray for with these guys. Thank you, Cheryl. Who else? Teresa. There you go. Becky. Good day for you to be praying with people, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of celebration. So this is a relaxed time. We found in the scriptures that it helps us connect with God in prayer when we do something physically. We see people standing in prayer we see people kneeling in prayer we see people lying before God in prayer we see people coming to other people to pray for them so relax this is a good time but if you have you need help with your overloaded life you come and let someone pray for you or if you have an issue or a relationship that's causing difficulty it's affecting negatively your relationship with Jesus and or your relationship with people, then come. Let us pray for you. Physical needs, emotional needs, relational needs, maybe some fender benders relationally, whatever spiritual needs, certainly. We're going to have uh, some unhurried, unrushed time of prayer, oh, about eight minutes or so. But you do business with God. If you're going to stay in your seat, pray. You might want to turn and kneel at your chair if that helps you but I'm going to quit talking so you can pray and connect with God Lord help us now draw near to us as we draw near to you in prayer thank you
Now you continue to pray. You still need someone to pray for you. Feel free to get up and come because we got uh, plenty of time left. But I want to say something to those of you who uh, are not yet followers of Christ. There may be something going on and you're stirring in your heart or your emotions or in your soul and you wonder what that is. Well, let me tell you what that is. That is God the Holy Spirit seeking to convince you of your need for a relationship with Christ and and encouraging you to place your faith in Christ. For you see, in Jesus Christ, God did something for you and me that we could not do for ourselves. The Bible says that God stepped out of heaven and came to earth in the form of a man called Jesus. That's why we sang earlier, we believe our God is Jesus. And he lived a sinless life, showing us who he was and what he's like. And then he went to the cross, died innocently on the cross. And the Bible says that somehow, spiritually, miraculously, God the Father arranged for when Jesus died innocently, he arranged for all of the sin, all of the guilt, all of the shame of all of us humans to be transferred from us onto him. So how'd how'd they do that, Pastor? I don't know. Just clear the Bible says it's a mystery of God. And so he paid the price for your sin and my sin. He uh, He atoned for our sin so that if we put our trust in Him and ask Him to be our substitute, our representative, that God credits us with the righteousness of Christ. He gives us legal standing before Him and reconciles us to Him and adopts us as His children and grants us forgiveness of sin and, uh, and gives us the gift of eternal life and abundant life here and gives us the gift of his indwelling Holy Spirit to show us how to live and turn us into the kind of people he wants us to be while we're still here on this earth. Some of you understand that now and you're ready for that and you, are, you would like to commit your life in eternity to Jesus for the very first time. And if that's you, I'm going to pray for you and lead you through a time of prayer. Uh, but I want to know who you are. Just raise your hand. If that's you, say, I'm ready, Pastor, for the very first time to commit my life in eternity to Christ. Just raise your hand until I see you, would you? And then I'll pray for you. Anybody down here on the floor to my right, near the door, right here in the center? Help me out, greeters, if I'm missing somebody. Anybody here in the balcony? Anybody up there? I'm ready. Okay. Then what we've said here is that we're all either already okay with God or that we're not, but we know we're not. And we're choosing to remain that way. Now, some of you are hearing this for the very first time. And so, well, what should I do? I need to understand this better. Yes, you do. We would invite you just to keep coming back. and Let us explain who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him. Our church exists largely for people who are not yet a part of it yet not yet a part of the family of God so you're you keep coming back so Lord thank you for this time of prayer thank you for those who've cried out to you thank you that you are the God who can give us rest we thank you that your word says you and your word say come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Guys, you may be seated. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.